If you've ever started writing a song or started recording a song and wondered what sounds should I use though? Meaning, I know that this is a guitar part, but what should it be? Should it be acoustic? Should it be a clean electric guitar sound? An overdriven guitar sound? Maybe a guitar sound with a lot of reverb with distortion? What about the bass part? Should it be fuzzy sounding? Should it be more of a clean bass sound? What about the keyboard part? Should it be an actual keyboard or should it be an acoustic piano? Should I go record a grand piano? Should it be a piano sound, keyboard sound? I don't know. If you've ever wondered that before, we're gonna talk through how to think through these things so you can make the right decision for your songs. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of Songwriter Theory. Today we are talking about finding the right sounds for your song. So maybe right now you're in the middle of writing a song, you're trying to figure out is this a distorted guitar I should be using? Should it be overdriven? How much reverb should be in it? Maybe I should go to an acoustic guitar, or maybe if I started with an acoustic guitar, maybe I really should be using a clean electric guitar. Maybe I want a keyboard part instead of a piano part. Maybe this part that I'm writing almost as a guitar riff should actually be a bass line instead. So if you're in that sort of position, that sort of thing is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. There are a lot of decisions to be made, especially if you're recording a song, because in an arrangement, there's often a bunch of instruments, right? It's not uncommon to have 20, 30, 40 parts in a recorded song. Some professional songs have literally hundreds, uh, which I wouldn't recommend, but there's a lot of sounds going on in a lot of songs. So figuring out what those sounds should be to sort of make the tapestry of your final product song, your final arrangement is very, 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 very important. So we're going to talk through that today. First thing to start with, your main instrument. So what's your main instrument? Your main instrument is usually the instrument that you wrote the song with. So when you were songwriting, if you sat with your acoustic guitar and that was sort of your songwriting process, was you singing along with your acoustic guitar, then that's probably your main instrument. If you sat at the piano, that's probably your main instrument. Maybe you got your bass out and you built the song around this bass line, then that might be your main instrument. If you started with rhythm, maybe drums are your main instrument. Usually, usually it's not. Drums would be pretty rare. Um, but that's one way to think through it. Another way to think through it is, in theory, if you were to do a stripped sound version of your song and you thought, okay, I need to convey this song the best, most true sense possible, but I can only use one instrument to do it. So you're going to an acoustic show and you're playing, and let's say you can play any instrument. What do you think is the one instrument that would capture the truest sense of your song? Would it be you sitting at the piano? Would it be you sitting with, a, with an acoustic guitar? Would it be with an electric guitar? What would that look like? Maybe it's a couple electric guitars, right? Maybe it's a couple guitars working together. Sometimes you have several of one instrument coming together to form what ends up being one sound, if you will, right? It's not uncommon, especially in rock, to have two guitar riffs going at the same time that work together to really create almost one riff or work together to create one thing that you have in your brain when you're thinking of that song, right? Like if you had just half of the riff or just one of those guitar parts, it just wouldn't be the song. It needs both of the guitar parts. So that's what your main instrument is. Is it in the right pitch range, right? So let's say you're, it's a guitar, right? 
So you're doing some open chords. You're doing open G, D, C, pretty normal key of G major type stuff. Have you ever thought, well, okay, that's good and all, but maybe my vocal comfort zone would be better fit if I put a capo on. Maybe the sound of the guitar would actually fit a little bit better with this song if I put a capo on. Maybe put the capo on the fourth, fifth, sixth fret. Because really, when you start to put the capo on that fourth, fifth, sixth fret, the guitar starts to sound a lot more chimey almost. It, it, it almost starts to sound like a totally different instrument. It, of course, is not a totally different instrument. But just like a bass guitar is which we consider a totally different instrument, right? Is really just a guitar that's much lower, right? With the two top sp strings cut off. And yet we consider that a totally different instrument, right? So there's something to be said for at some point, if you change the pitch enough, right? Like if you pitch shifted a violin down far enough, it would start to sound like a cello, right? So there's something to be said for if you do the opposite with an acoustic guitar, right? You put a capo on it, almost starts to sound like a different instrument. It starts to get a little more ukulele-like, a little more chimey sounding. That might actually be a better fit for your song, depending on what you're going for. So that's one thing to consider. If you're playing on the piano, try going up an octave with whatever your piano riff or your chords are. Or try going down an octave. If, especially if you started the piano part higher, right? Because a piano, if it gets too low, it tends to get a little muddy. And then if it gets too high, it can start to sound a little more harsh. It's very, very common in a song, for example, to start the song and maybe end the song with the piano part being higher, especially on, on lighter, more ethereal parts. Sometimes it's nice to have that piano riff nice and nice and high. An example of this would be a 100 Years by Five for Fighting. In the first verse, the piano riff is actually up the octave from where it is the rest of the song, except for the final verse, where it goes back up that octave. And it sort of gives that more ethereal sound. It makes it sound a little lighter, and it really hammers home the, the idea that these are sort of the, the two most intimate, lightest parts of the the song. So that's something to think about. And with the piano, keep in mind, you can also go down just, you know, a couple of keys or up a couple of keys really easily. Unlike the guitar where say you're doing a G, you're in the key of G and you're doing a G open chord. It's not an easy thing to do to just be like, oh, well, I'll just change it to the key of, you know, G flat. Like, well, what are you going to do? Down tune your whole guitar, completely change the chords that you're playing, right? You, you can't, you can only go down so much or, you know, say the key of B, right? The key of B, what are you going to do? Get your baritone guitar out? Or again, you can totally change the chords that you play, but maybe you really like those, um, those forms of chords, right? You like the way that that open G chord sounds and the way that an open B chord or a B chord, I guess there is no open B chord really, um, well, there is, depending on how you define it, but that's a whole different discussion. Um, you know, if you pick a, a B chord, that, that, it just sounds different. Outside of, yes, it's a B chord, so of course a B major chord is going to sound different than a, a G major chord. Even outside of that, right, different forms of chords will sound different, even if it, they are made up of the same notes, because it's in different pitch ranges, right? So... That second thing to ask yourself after you've validated, okay, yes, this is the instrument that I really want to use. This is the right instrument for this part. This instrument shouldn't be a piano instead. This instrument shouldn't be a bass line instead. After you've validated that, make sure it's in that right pitch range. A song I had recently 
have been working on. It started in the key of B major, and I realized that that really wasn't a good fit. It put my vocal range in kind of an odd spot where in the verses I was singing a little higher than I would like. It wasn't quite in my belt high range, but it wasn't really in my comfortable register either. It was sort of in that weird middle ground where you're like, you kind of want to belt, but it's not really high enough to, to belt in a way that you think sounds really good. So it was kind of in a weird spot. So I ended up bringing it down all the way to the key of G. I might even do G flat, right? And it's this started in the key of B. So always make sure to check through those things. And honestly, if you don't believe me, just try it. But even that difference, right, which isn't a huge difference. We're talking from B down to G, right? That's like a a third, right? Not much. It's not a major change. And yet the character of the riff sounds very different, even though it's played the exact same way. I just changed the key that it was in because again, what pitches you're playing makes a big difference, right? An easy way to think through this is at some point, a violin sounds kind of screechy, right? There's a certain range that a violin sounds really good, but then in that higher register, it starts to become not pleasant, right? And the nature of pitches is that they just sound different when they're different pitches, right? So even if in context of the song, right, in context of a song in the key of G, a G major chord would sound the same as what a B major chord sounds like in the context of a key of B major, yes. But that's in context. If you completely change the key of songs in, it can start to change the character, right? That's why you do down tunings, for example, on your guitars, right? I keep my guitars a half step down. It just gives it that little bit richer sound that I really, really, really like. It's also why you use a baritone guitar, right? That's not a huge pitch difference, but it starts to sound significantly different at some point because you have pitch shifted the guitar down, or in that case, you've just tuned the guitar lower. And of course, baritone guitars are built specifically to handle those lower tunings. Next question to ask is, how's the tone? So when I say, how's the tone, we're talking about, is it an intimate song that feels the need to maybe use acoustic instruments, right? Because acoustic instruments by nature tend to sound a lot more intimate, right? If you hear a song that's just an acoustic guitar playing, you almost get that sense that this is, you know, you're you're sitting in front of a fireplace with somebody, right? Same with a piano, right? If it's just the sound of a piano, it has that more intimate sound than usually what a keyboard would have. And certainly this is true even more so with the guitar. An acoustic guitar sounds so much more intimate than an electric guitar in most cases. So that's one thing to consider, right? What do you want? Do you want this to sound very intimate? Do you want this to sound like something that you could be grabbing your guitar and playing by the campfire? Is that the sort of sound you want? Do you want it to sound like you're alone in a log cabin just playing the piano by yourself? Do you want a little bit of that vibe? Or maybe you don't, right? That's something to consider. Not to mention the timbre is just almost completely changes between, say, a keyboard and a piano, right? They have different sounds, they just do. Like, there's a reason that you can tell when you hear a piano and when you hear a keyboard, right? Like, you can tell the difference. And they each have a character of their own. And depending on what their context is, right? Like, I can't tell you, oh, piano always sounds more blank, right? It always sounds more real. That would be true, right? Because it's, it, it is a natural sonic sound. 
that is actually generated from a hammer hitting strings, right? But outside of that, there are some generalities, like they tend to sound more intimate when it's an acoustic instrument. But besides that, you know, it's going to depend on the context of the song. So you have to think through these things. How will this song be affected by a change from an acoustic piano to a keyboard or from a keyboard to an acoustic piano? Guitar is a more obvious example, right? Should this be distorted guitars or maybe should they just be a little overdriven? Should they be clean, right? Because a clean guitar, a clean acoustic, sorry, a clean electric guitar, a clean acoustic guitar as opposed to what? You plugging in your acoustic and putting distortion on? Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, actually, you could as an experiment, but generally don't do that. So a clean electric guitar has a very different sound than your acoustic guitar, right? That acoustic guitar has a little bit more of that natural, campfire intimate feel than an electric guitar does, even if it's clean, right? It just sounds different. So think through for your song and for your sounds, what do you think fits better? And if you're wondering, well, how do I know that? What, what Help me think through what what do I choose? I don't know, right? I don't know the answer to that question. Let's talk about the arrangement, right? So for your arrangement, which this is really what we're talking about here, right? It's basically arrangement. It's always helpful to listen to music that you enjoy. And this might sound obvious. And yes, this is probably the most obvious tip that I have here. And it doesn't have to be music that you necessarily are influenced by, right? So, for example, my favorite band ever is Vertical Horizon. And I'm absolutely influenced by them as a songwriter. And overall, they do similar music to me-ish. There's a lot of differences, right? Like, I use a lot of piano. A lot of my stuff is very piano-heavy. And, and, and piano tends to be the main instrument I gravitate towards, um, they're very guitar heavy. The way they write melodies is different than me. I'm a bigger fan of like lower pitch register in verses and then jumping up to high notes in the chorus. Tons of different differences. But there's a lot of things too that I did learn to like from them. For example, they use walls of guitars. They like that huge, massive guitar sound. But another difference, they actually tend to use overdriven guitars, not really distorted guitars. But I kind of like distorted guitars in general. But I learned from them, something I, I took from them is that idea of layered guitars and that massive wall of sound. That is a huge takeaway that I have in my sonic decision making, because I know I like that. I've identified that some of the similarities between artists that I like is that they have that sort of wall of sound, massive feeling wall of guitars type thing. I really like that sound. But another thing that I've used recently is, for example, I realized I, I love Hans Zimmer soundtracks. And specifically, I love pretty much all his soundtracks I've heard, for sure, like Gladiator. But for this specifically, I'm talking about the quintessential Hans Zimmer soundtrack. We're, so we're talking Inception, we're talking Dark Knight, Interstellar, right? Because when you think of Hans Zimmer, you think of that sound, right? And if you're going to really boil that sound down, especially when we're talking Inception and Dark Knight, he uses a lot of synths to sort of um, function as as this, this lower level. I don't want to call it a bass line because it's not really a bass line, right? But he likes his like big hits and drones 
that are created by massive synths combined with brass. So he utilizes the combo of synth and brass a lot. And I love that sound. And even though I'm not writing anything like soundtracks, I know that that to me sounds really epic and cool. So in an EP that I'm working on, I'm integrating that into my sound, right? Even though I'm not borrowing it from a similar artist to me, right? Hans Zimmer and I are not even in the same, like he's doing soundtracks for movies and I'm doing singer-songwriter stuff with lyrics and stuff. Very, very different. But I'm pulling something that I like from another artist, right? I, I learned sort of to love the piano riff from Five for Fighting and, and some of the early Frey stuff. So start thinking about the artists you like. Okay, what do they use, right? How do they get their sound that clearly I like, right? And that's not to say that artists you like, you necessarily like everything about their sound, right? Because hopefully you like a lot of your the artists that you like more based on how good that you think their songs are, how good their vocals sound, are their lyrics meaningful, stuff like that. And there might be a lot of stuff in, in their arrangements that you don't really love, right? So it's very helpful to think through songs you like and artists you like. What are they doing? So some more examples. So maybe your artists layer over driven guitars, like Vertical Horizon. Maybe they, maybe there's a tendency with artists you like to use strings to sort of supplement the song. Maybe strings are added to the chorus. Maybe you like that sound of like rock with strings added, right? A lot of people like that. I like that. Or maybe brass, right? Like I like that sound. Like brass sort of has that harsh, punchy sound that I really like. Maybe synth supplementing the bass, right? Or maybe synth replacing the bass. Instead of a, a bass line played on an actual bass, maybe it's a synth instead, a really low sob synth that can carry the bass. So that next question is what instruments do you want for what role, right? So I think the easiest way to think through this is, okay, what roles do guitars play? Often they play tons of roles, right? The role of a lead guitar is remarkably different than a rhythm guitar, right? If you think, let's just keep it to guitars here for a second, just to make sure that this is clear. The role that the acoustic guitar that's playing throughout the whole song plays, where it probably is the main featured instrument in the first verse, right? When the song's pretty small, it's mostly the vocalist and the guitar, and that's basically it. But then in the chorus, it might fade to the background and a bunch of electric guitars take over, right? There's a lead electric guitar part that's sort of doing an interesting riff behind the vocalist. And at the same time, there's like two or more uh, electric guitars that are doing power chords that sort of make that chorus sound huge. And you almost don't even hear the acoustic guitar anymore, right? So those three guitars all have very, very different roles. If you took the power chords out, the power of the chorus would probably evaporate very quickly. And then if you took that lead guitar part out, a part of the interest and a part of the intrigue of the chorus and, and one of those nice little melodies for the listeners to attach to all of a sudden evaporates, right? They all have very different jobs, even though it's all the same instrument. And especially with the lead guitar and the power chords, in that case, it's really the exact instrument, right? You might even use the same guitar tone. They might both be distorted guitars. The acoustic guitar, yes, is acoustic, so it's different. So that's a good way to think through, okay, 
those things have fundamentally different jobs, right? You can't have a lead part that would be confused with the power chords in your core, in your chorus, right? Like that, that seems obvious, right? Like it's, it's just totally different. They're doing totally different things in the same way you adding synth to a song. There's a bunch of different roles that synth can play, right? Maybe your synth is replacing your bass. Maybe your synth is actually replacing, for example, maybe you kind of like when strings are added to rock to make it sound even bigger somehow. But instead of using strings, you're actually using a synth sound instead because it gives it that little electronic side of things because you kind of like some EDM stuff. And you think, oh, okay, that, that makes a nice little blend that I really like because blending with strings gives it a little more of an acoustic um, not acoustic as an acoustic guitar, but it gives it a little bit more of the sense of, you know, real instruments, um, combined with the guitars, right? Whereas it gives a totally different vibe when it's a synth. And that might be a great fit for you, for what you like and for your songs. So this is something very important to think through, right? When you're choosing your instruments and when you're figuring out the sounds, what the role of that part is going to be is incredibly relevant, right? Like, for example, you probably don't aren't going to do your melody with an acoustic guitar, right? Your acoustic guitar is usually going to fulfill the role of strumming and sort of gives that texture, right? That strumming texture. That's usually the role that your acoustic guitar is going to play. Your piano usually isn't going to be the lead part, right? That's usually going to be an electric guitar, but you know what? That's a good way to change it up. Maybe you decide your lead part will actually be a piano. There's a song I've been finishing up recently where at the end of the song, after I finish singing, there's sort of this outro bit, and I didn't think an electric guitar lead felt right. And the song was actually based on acoustic guitar. I didn't have a piano in the song at all, which is not super common for me. So I thought to myself, you know what this needs? This needs piano lead at the end. That would be different, right? Like, so I actually put a piano melody right in the end. It's just like a little piano solo, if you will, playing a pretty basic. I, I think I literally improvised it once and I'm like, oh, I like that. We're keeping it. So. Finding little things like that can really make your song stick out, too, because now subtle differences can add up, right? There aren't too many songs out there that are using some brass to sort of add to the texture of the song when it comes to, say, rock music. Strings, yeah, that's done a lot, but brass is actually a little different. It's subtle, but it's different. So finding things like that, or like Star Set, for example, Star Set sort of um, not that they're the first to do this, but, you know, star set sound is very star set because they mostly sound like a Breaking Benjamin type sound or a Three Days Grace type sound. But they actually utilize strings and synths. So they don't sound like Linkin Park because it's not new metal. It really is more of a post grunge sound. But they're introducing both strings that maybe a red would use, but they're also using synths, which gives them that very exclusive sound. And that's really a subtle difference, and yet it makes a world of difference and makes your music very memorable. So 
always think through as well with the instruments you're choosing what octave it's in, right? So if you have figured out, okay, I have this arrangement and right now it's all parts in the mid-range, right? Guitar is mostly mid-range. The piano part's in the mid-range. The vocal's usually in the mid-range, right? You have a ton of instruments in the mid-range. You're like, I need something on the higher end. Depending on how high it is, there are different instruments that will be great choices, right? Like, again, we'll pick something obvious. The cello shouldn't be filling in your high parts, usually. A violin would be a better fit, right? Just like a violin doing a low part might not be a very good fit. And again, I give you obvious examples to think through. This is also true of other instruments, right? The guitar. Maybe don't ask the guitar to go super high. It might not sound super pleasant at that point, right? Do you really want an acoustic guitar where you're playing all the way up the fretboard on the highest strings? Is that something you want in your song? Probably not. That might be a better fit for a violin, right? And a violin tends to be very legato. Maybe you want a staccato part. Maybe maybe strings aren't the way to go. Maybe you want something else. Maybe you want a type of synth, right? There's a bunch of synths out there for a bunch of different sounds. I really like to use a bunch of chimes and bells uh, or chime or bell synths, right? Or they are synths, chime and bell. Um, for those of you on video, you, you saw that I was air quotes and did it on the wrong thing. For those of you listening via audio, you're probably very confused at why I had to re-clarify and then I said the same words. Um, so, you know, strings too high can sound unpleasant. Uh, piano too low can start to sound really muddy, right? So things like that, you have to think through. What is the optimal range to use this instrument doing its part for, right? Usually for guitar, like power chords are the lower end of guitar, right? Lead parts on guitar are usually not on the lowest string, right? Sometimes there are riffs on the lowest string that would maybe be double with the bass part, but usually your lead guitar part isn't going to be on the lowest string. It's going to be on higher strings because it needs to sit on top of those power chords that you probably inevitably have. Last thing I want to talk about is always experiment. Always experiment. I really like to find one sound in every song that is new or different. And when I say new or different, it doesn't necessarily need to be new or different overall, right? It doesn't have to be a new sound that nobody's ever made before so much as a new sound to you. So if you've never tried maybe a synth that's kind of based on brass instruments in your song, try it, right? Uh, a song I worked on recently, I found an acoustic guitar synth that I actually really, really liked to add to the song, which may sound weird considering I play guitar, but I actually really like the synth, the way it sounded. It sort of had an end of gladiator type vibe that I really, really liked. And that sound made this, the whole song start to sound very, very different from anything that I had done. Even though the piano riff is very Joseph Vidala piano riff and stuff like that. Now the sound of the arrangement has evolved into something much more different. I've done other things too, where I recorded a ceiling fan and then I pitch shifted it down like an octave or half an octave. And then I slowed it down. And then I think I put a phaser on it and it sort of gives this, like I can't do it, but it sort of gives this, this interesting sound that just doesn't sound like anything else really, because it's, I made the sound, right? So if you go make just one sound that's going to be a big part of your song, 
that can be a great way to really make your song stand out and sound different, right? Another example of something I did is I took a guitar part and then I took, I reversed it as well. And then I ended up cutting the part of the guitar where I first hit it so that it doesn't get that, that really strong, um, beginning of i'm currently forgetting the term but but there's a there's a term for when a note is hit like at the very beginning transient is that the word i think that's the word Uh, but i cut that part out so the guitar basically goes up because i have the reverse part first so the reverse part up and never quite hit that hits that peak where i actually use the pick on the guitar never quite gets there and then the forward one Right. So that and then that combined with the guitar effects I used gave it this sound that isn't really used a lot. A couple of weeks ago, if you're on the YouTube channel, you know that I did Vertical Horizons, Everything You Want, did a songwriter analysis on that. Um, and that's basically what they did for the, that riff in that song. And I, and you don't hear that basically anywhere else. So I thought, oh, I like that sound. I want to borrow that idea and make it my own. So always keep in mind that your creative brain doesn't need to turn off outside of the songwriting process, right? There's different levels of creativity, right? There's songwriting creativity, There's arranging creativity, right? So figuring out what instruments go where. So that's another element, right? And arranging has a huge impact on a song, right? That's why you might like, for example, which I hate this stuff, but hey, if you like it, that's fine. But I just hate punk. But like pop goes punk, right? It's literally the exact same song as the pop song. It's so it's just as good or bad as the pop song because the song hasn't changed for the record, so don't be that person who's like, oh, well, they made it good. Like, how did they make it good? The, the song is the same. The chords are the same. The melody is the same. Like, you just like the arrangement better. That's all that is. Anyway, so <laughs> um, so in that case, though, you might like the song that, you know, before you're like, oh, this Taylor Swift song is garbage and I hate it. But you maybe like punk or you like rock or some other thing. So when when a rock band or a punk band does a cover of it, you might really like it, right? Or or say uh, Disturbed did a fantastic job with The Sound of Silence, which was already an amazing song. And what a gutsy cover to do. Because uh, I actually think I like them equally. And I love the original, right? I love the original, but they did such a good job. Uh, but there might be a lot of people out there that wouldn't have liked the original and like the Disturbed version, right? So that shows that the creativity in the arrangement is a very important part of a song, right? It's a part of your sound as an artist. It's not just the song that you wrote. It's not just the chords and the melody and the lyrics. That's one aspect. But that next level of creativity is now sort of the production side of the song, the arrangement. And then there's a third level that I think a lot of people don't think about, which is really what today's episode was all about. Sound design creativity, right? The the art of figuring out your guitar tone, the art of figuring out like... Hey, I'm going to go record a dog chewing a bone, which I'm thinking about because I can hear my dog chewing his bone upstairs. But I'm going to I'm going to record a dog chewing a bone and then maybe I'll pitch shift it up and maybe I'll just take one bite sound and then I'll give it a pitch and I'll make that into, you know, a playable synth. I don't know. It will probably not sound like anything else because I don't know how many people have done that. I'm going to guess very few. And that's how you can discover really awesome sounds. 
combining different uh, elements in a song that aren't common, right? Like it, using in a rock song or in a song that feels like an acoustic guitar would fit. It's actually pretty unconventional to then choose to do a synth that kind of represents a nylon acoustic guitar, right? That's not because first of all, the nylon guitar is usually for more classical sound. So you wouldn't have gone with a nylon guitar usually in that song anyway. And then a synth always sounds a little bit different than whatever instrument it's representing, right? There's always going to be a little difference there. So try that, right? If you have a synth, there's a bunch of free synths out there, by the way. So if you're thinking, I don't have money to spend on synths, A, if you do want to spend money, Omnisphere, 500 bucks, never need to get another synth in your life. It's incredible. If you don't want to spend money, there's a bunch of free synths out there that I used for years before I finally took the dive into Omnisphere. A bunch of different ones, right? I, I used one that was a um, emulated an organ once. Uh, I used one, which, by the way, organ sounds added to songs. Awesome. Can really give that epic low end uh, a boost uh, for sure. And it can do a lot of other stuff, too. I mean, again, Interstellar, right? If you've ever listened to the Interstellar soundtrack, the whole thing's based off of just really epic organ playing, pretty much. So go pick up a synth. There's plenty of free ones out there. Just type like free synth VST and you can download them. There's a bunch of music box. That's another one I got recently. That was awesome. Totally free. Sounded pretty good. Works out of the box. Really easy. You download it five minutes. You're playing your keyboard and you're hearing out of your computer. Awesome music box sounds, right? Which can be really creepy and add a, a, a very interesting vibe. I think I got that idea from NF's, um, whatever song he does that for when I grow up, I think. Yeah. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode and you're on YouTube, be sure to drop a like. If you found this helpful, another thing that you can go pick up that you will find helpful is my free guide on 10 ways to start writing a song, which I feel like I really need to rename because it doesn't convey what that guide is really meant to do. Um, it does help give you 10 ways to start writing a song. That is exactly what it does, but it doesn't quite highlight the value of it, which is sometimes you get stuck in a box, right? You always sit at your piano to start writing a song. You always sit at your, grab your acoustic guitar to start writing a song. And then you start to, you know, you always start strumming a G chord with your guitar. It's easy to get stuck in that box. With this guide, it will help you get out of that box because I give you 10 totally different ways. Five are more from the lyrical side, five are more from the music side, so that you can start attacking songwriting from different angles. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about angles, I think, in, in the subject that we're talking about next week. But keep in mind that you can get almost infinite use out of one thing just by looking at it from different angles which I know sounds a little weird, but, you know, for example, take those pictures that circulate around the internet of like, here's this dress, what color do you see? And you might see, you know, blue and black or something, and somebody else sees gold and gray, or I don't remember what they were. So two people looking at it with their different eyes are see it completely differently. And that's just two different ways, right? But if you can learn as a creator to attack songwriting, to attack all your different art from different angles, 
that, that is where you can get almost infinite creativity, right? Because you can either think breakup song or you can think, okay, what point in the breakup is this? And we're going to talk more about this next week, but this is an example to convey the value of this guide, what it's sort of going after. Link in the description, by the way. Free, Joseph, nope, not Joseph. I was about to say my email. Feel free to email me, joseph at songwritertheory.com. But um, the link for this is at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Um, so what I was going to say is a basic way to think through a breakup song, right, is a breakup song. And that's how breakup songs bore people. But you know what's more interesting? How about a song that's the day before you break up with somebody and you don't really want to break up with somebody? Ooh, all of a sudden it's a lot more interesting, right? Or maybe it's a breakup song that you broke up with somebody two years ago and now you regret it. I guess that would be like Hello from Adele, right? Which helps make it more interesting than just a regular breakup song. Or maybe it's a breakup song where um, the character broke up with somebody last week and they were happy about it until they learned after they broke up with the person that that person had actually been cheating on them. That's an interesting mess of emotions, isn't it? I don't know if that's been discovered before, right? So that's an example of looking from different angles. So what this guide does is it gives you 10 different angles, different instruments to start with, different, different ways to figure out themes, different ways to start lyrically so that you can start writing songs from different angles to help keep your songwriting fresh. That's really the goal of the guide. Again, link in the description below. Thank you, as always, for watching or listening. If you're on YouTube, be sure to drop a like for the YouTube algorithm and subscribe. If you are on listening on a podcast, whatever your provider of choice is, be sure to go leave a review, preferably on iTunes, preferably four or five stars. If you feel like you can't give it a high rating, you should email me at joseph at songwritertheory.com instead and let me know how I can improve. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you as always for watching and I will talk to you next time.